Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of Toad's Tunes. My name is Toad. Today, I sit down with Allie Colleen. We talk about her love of tattoos, animals, elephants, of course. I got to learn something about elephants that I didn't even know. Her first job was at 12. She was building bridges for the family farm. It's kind of crazy, right? She knew as a kid that music was for her. Toward Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee as a freshman, knowing that's exactly where she was going. Her family, especially her mom, being a part of Wild Heart Ranch in Oklahoma. She also does gore makeup on TikTok. You know what? Enough. Let's get to know someone I hope to call a friend for a very long time, Hallie Colleen. Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tune. Sitting here today with Allie Colleen. How are you today? I'm so good. You I, know that. You know what? I, I just feel like I got my ass handed to me for saying everything the right way. And now I'm going to just sit here the whole night and just go, Jolene, Colleen. That's how I say it. Just <laughs> I like didn't that. think you'd said it wrong once. I will tell you that. I didn't think you had. I didn't. Welcome to Vegas. Welcome to Stoney's. Thank you. Uh, I we, We've stoked about it. It's something we've looked forward to for a long time. Yes. Um, funny that we talked about doing this show a few months back, I was excited, and that's what this is all about. I think you've learned a little bit about me in a quick, short amount of time that I love the new music stuff. I love new artists. I love giving them a platform to go out and do what they do. As an artist, what's your favorite part about the music-making process? We're going to jump right into it. The making process. Ah, I think there's something so cool. Being a kid, right, who came from a town like almost all of us, where you were the only kid in your town writing music. You know what I mean? Like, you're really the only one who, when people said, what do you want to do? It was, oh, no, I'm going to Nashville, and I'm going to Belmont University, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to do all that stuff. And they're like, that's cool. This is second grade, bro. Like, right. what do you want to do when you get older? And I'm like, no, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. How did you learn that at such a young age? I want to I want to start there. So you're like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Oklahoma. Okay. I grew up in this town called Owasso, Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa. I um, was born in Nashville. Um, remember life in Oklahoma. So I just always say I'm born and raised there kind of thing. Okay. Um, I grew up there with two older sisters, and we all did sports and stuff like that and loved it. And we're all good athletes and um, liked that whole world. But just music always made sense to me. Is it because you have a musical family, or do you think that was a major influence on it all? I don't know if it did or not, because we've never done those things at home. So people ask me all the time if, you know, I've, played music with my dad or if I've sang with my bonus mom or any of these things and I've never done any of that stuff in like a close personal setting like we've never right. just sat around at the house and played my parents really didn't play much at home either um so I think the biggest impact of that as far as having maybe a musical parent or whatever the case was was they could never look at me and say that it was an unfeasible idea you know what I mean right never well a lot of parents do that yes. where they're like you're not it's too hard yes yeah and it's confusing, and it's crazy, and it's wild, and it's all those things. And I think because, I will say that was, I think, a huge factor, if there was any relation to my music loving, being because my parents did it, was n just having two huge examples of, you can go do this. Right. Whereas, would it have been different if I had parents that were maybe like, the beautiful plan, beautiful plan B, let's yeah. really get a financially smart plan A first, or whatever the case is, maybe I would have done anything else different, you know what I mean? But my parents sure. didn't have the luxury to ever look at me and go, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing you could do, you know? So back to the original question of making music. Do you love the recording process or do you love the writing process I better? Love, 
I love the creating process. The recording process for me is still just new enough, I feel like, to where months before I know what I want to happen. Months later I know maybe what I would have done differently. But in that day, in that room of recording and all those things, like, I guess it's almost similar to some shows in the sense of it's like you can ask me tomorrow about it, but in the moment, like, I'm not even there. Right. I'm just, like, so out of my mind about it and so stoked. And also to do it as a career and all those things, it's almost like... It's almost like I'm not really there on the day. There was a lot of stuff with this last project recording-wise that, like, when we talked about it a couple of days later, I was like, oh, that was a magical moment. Or, oh, man, that really did change the trajectory. Where at the time, like, I'm literally just in a vocal booth. You're doing just what doing do. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I love the recording process, and I respect it, and I'm excited to do it more and to learn more about it. But I think just the original thought for me is just, again, you move to Nashville, and you're forced to co-write, which is so uncomfortable. In the beginning. It's the first date. It's literally, it's worse than that in the sense of it's like, let's go find really, really bad fluorescence and just take our clothes off. Like, don't touch me. Just look at it. This is what it looks like in natural light. That's what co-writing is like to me. <laughs> it's a great analogy. Oh, it's spooky. It's terrifying. Yeah. I never thought of the awkwardness of it other than the fact of saying it's a first date because you literally sit yes. down, you have a drink, you yes. feel each other out, you kind of yes. do what you guys kind of do and then kind of go from there and, and hope. Yeah. Well, it depends on the song and the idea, obviously, right? Like, if you want to come in and we're gonna we're gonna write a drinking song, we can do that all day. We can sure. talk about it. We can write it. Whatever. We meet and I go, hey, here's my childhood trauma. You want to write about it with sure. me today? In Are you gonna judge like, me? Relatable. Yeah. 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 That's terrifying. And right. It's so spooky. So I think there's something that's always been so brave about like the camaraderie, about coming together and creating a story that is about all the people in the room, but also is going to really create three minutes for someone to sit in an emotion where they don't really have I don't want to say the ability but like creative people we're weird right we, do, we don't think similar to more logistic people or whatever the case is and I, I've met a lot of people that literally need permission to feel a type of way for three minutes permission you know from mean? from everybody no one wants to sit in their sadness and well, no one wants to celebrate themselves either and if they do Maybe they do it too much. I don't know what the case is, but there's something beautiful about creating this space for you to sit in right. what you need to sit in. I think most people sulk on their own. Yeah. So when they listen to it, it's usually going to be by themselves or right. driving or anything like that. Yeah. That, that, that sort of element yes. of it all. And something to bring it out. Like, I don't meet a lot of people who, when they're heavy, are like, I need to journal today. Like, no, I don't right. meet a lot of people like that. You know what I mean? But subconsciously, when you want to go for a drive and listen to Coetzel... You want to go journal in yeah. my brain. You know what I mean? Sure. And he's giving you that outlet, whoever your artist is, is giving you that outlet to sit in that space. Are and you... something about sitting here and creating that for people. Right. Oh, all day long. That is kind of a neat neat thought. Are you a fan of Co Wetzel? I am. I don't know that much like about him. He just recently came to Nashville, actually. Yeah. And it was one of those situations where my friend had a ticket and like someone didn't go. And I was like, I would love to go. And you watched like, the show. I haven't seen him live yet. And I, I want to. I loved it. It was awesome. I love his song, Good Die Young. I love Austin. There's something it's cool and horrible about being at live shows and the person in front of you filming the whole thing. Yeah. Because one, no one wants to see all the phones in the world. But also, in a sense, at the Co Wetzel concert, I had the best. This dude was such an awesome video taker. Like, I literally watched the whole thing like a Jumbotron right in front of on, me. On, on his phone? On his phone as he filmed, like, the whole show. And I was like, I can't even see Co from where I'm standing. This is, like, this is, like, 
It's perfection. This is like cable right now, and I'm actually here in the environment. It's I get awesome. the giggles out of that because we have a photographer that floats through, and he'll take photos from the crowd up to the artist, and like 99% of the people that are around him all have their phones up, which is kind of a <laughs> neat thing. But it's kind of free advertising in that sense. Yeah. I mean, for everybody, the organic growth is silly. It really is. It really is, and just just the whole aspect of phones and crowds anyway it just adds a whole different dynamic to all the shows nowadays. But I, I think it's cool. I went and saw Tool uh, in Glendale, Arizona. I'm a fan, um, and part of the rules are no phones, and if you get caught with your phone, you get in trouble and all that kind of stuff. And then I went and saw um, Pussifer, which is another one of their one of their <laughs> one of their offshoots of Tool. And it was the same thing, but it was at a smaller venue, and they were really on your ass for it. But I don't understand the logic in that for an artist like that. I don't. I don't know what they're trying to take away from it. Because the end of the day, that's that's like free advertising. I know the shows that I have seen that do that are typically like your like your residencies and stuff, like at certain places sure. where you're doing the same show. Yeah. And so I don't want you to see my whole show on YouTube before you come. Right. That's you know what I mean? And so th- those are the only times where I've been at venues where they had a restricted film policy right. where they did basically kind of verbatim the same show every night at the same place. And then I, at the end of it, released a big TV special where anyone who didn't get to come got right. to come see it. Yeah. I don't. Th- I mean, I know Tool was doing... Pictures? Mm. Ah, let them take pictures, I guess. But right. then you can't, you can't moderate you can't tell. what they're doing you know, between the two, I guess. I, I was sitting at um, the Post for Show, and we had an artist that came here and played, and it was not good. And I, my phone would not <laughs> stop. My, just, my watch was going off, my phone's going off, and they were like, put it away, put it away, we're kicking you out. And I'm like, I, I have to leave. I clearly have to leave. So I left, and but that I, they were on our asses about it, and that's why I just sit back and I understand why Tool kind of did it because their show went from state to state, and they kind of did the same setup, the same right. show. They didn't want to, but at the end of the day, dude, they're playing for twenty plus thousand people, yeah. so yeah, I someone's going to get away with show, it. Like you said, it's different between your set list leaking, yes, and then literally all your bits are taken. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you you blew the wide. It's you've done. You've seen people right. in crowds. You've seen it. If they know what the end of your joke is, they're going to yell it out so that sure. everyone else in the crowd knows that they love you that much, that they know your bit. But yeah. you're sitting here like, bro, that's yeah. my bit. Don't take it from me. As as an artist so far, what, what's been your favorite place to play? I can I can ask you that question not get in trouble because you haven't played Stoney's quite yet. Exactly. Exactly. Because otherwise it would be my answer. Right. But, you know, time will tell in just, just a little while. Do you have a venue that you like to call home, per se? I, I know my venue would not claim me yet i'm not there yet but there's something about right like your hometown venue sure like your place where you went to go see everybody yeah and that for me is kane's ballroom in tulsa okay like that's where i got to see cody johnson for the first time and i was very lucky one time to be a part of uh, an orange peel night which is like this big uh they give scholarships to kids in the local area to go to oklahoma state so oklahoma state puts it on anyway i got to open for pat green at kane's ballroom that night um, for Orange Peel, and it was awesome, and it was amazing. But I will headline there one day, and I think that again just comes from watching the people that that you really love and like trying to emulate, do their thing, right? And, like wanting to do it on the same exact stage to the kids that are coming from your high school, just like I was. You know what I mean? And like you've watched that as a kid growing up, and then you get to yeah. experience and to, it as to an be adult. On the other side of that, and to be on the stage for that, that would be sick. So you talk about people like Pat Green. Do you have? artists that you look at and idolize that you'd like to, I don't want to say emulate their career, but maybe get to the same place that they're at? Do, I, you, do you look at your dad that way and your bonus mom? I do. I look at him in, in different ways. Um, there's a generosity that my dad has from the platform that he's on right. that I have wanted to emulate since I was a kid. <laughs> since I was a kid, I've wanted to 
do the giveaways that he does and all those things. And I don't know if that's a kindness thing or a pride thing or what that is, but like how cool is that? I just think the generosity that I've seen from that man blows my mind. Um, the crowd responses, I think, are a big thing with, with my parents that I, that I love and genuinely care about. But as far as like my artists and the people that I've grown up watching that I think are amazing, um, my first one is Jody Messina. And then I kept growing up and growing up and I found a pissed off version of Jody Messina and I found Ashton McBride. And I just, I wanted to be that so bad. And I love Cody Johnson. I love all those things. But for me, as a, as a watcher and all those things, I don't watch them perform and say, I want to do that. Or, oh, I want to, I want to remember during the solo to walk over and scream at Gabe and like make it look all cool. Mine is the interaction that those artists have with their fans. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I not even do that or do the same thing, but how do I get moments like that with my people? Because watching women watch Ashton McBride sing is awesome. Yeah. Watching. That, that response from them. Yes. Yeah, there's not too many people like Ashton McBride. Yeah. And there just seems to be such a genuine connection um, between her artist and her. And, and there is a side of me that knows not smoke and mirrors in a bad way, but knows the reality of that and knows how hard she works. And maybe those people actually don't know her at all. You know what I mean? And, right. and I get that and I respect it. Um, but I think that there's just such a cool reassurance in watching her fans and her and like, it just seems to be about so much more than the music. She's at so McBride shows. I can tell you that sitting down with her, she's so genuine. It's not even it's not even funny. Just the stories about her her last job and the stuff that she used to do and who she she bumped into a, a blind singer and uh, like made some comment <laughs> about. And she's just so <laughs> funny the way that she just carries herself. And I look at a sense of her. I'm sure she's on a high of her life right now because she's out on the road with one of the biggest country artists today in Luke Combs. Do you have an artist like that that you would love to go on the road with? I feel like there's a Maybe not lot one, of them but a few. that I would love to go and do. But again, it's it's to be a part of those crowd moments that I get to see on YouTube, right? Or on Instagram, whatever the case is. I just want to be there for them. Right. Like, I, I would really, really love um, to be just almost a fly on the wall, but like on stage. Like, so we got to open for Jody Messina this year. Not even open for. She was kind enough to... Um, just share the stage with me for a minute. Um, and I got to sing like I'm all right with her and I got to see her fans sing I'm all right with her and do all those things. Right. And, and capture those moments. Right. And I think that there are moments like that with artists that I love so much and do, but if I had to pick one, I don't know who it would be. I would like to think that it would be Ashley, but at the same point in time, I do wonder if sometimes I maybe emulate her too much to be a part of like an opening set for right. her. The, the continuing of the show. But she <laughs> did get a tattoo in a music video. She and did? I will now get a tattoo oh, in wow. a music video. There's nothing wrong with that. I think people her look at stuff. Her sunglasses on her forearm? Uh, yeah. I think it was Little Dive Bar music video. Um, but yeah, she got them. In, whether, whether she had it before and they just faked it and touched it up, whatever the case is, I don't know. But I will get a tattoo in a music video. Now. What is, because clearly you have one, what is your obsession with tattoos? I think that there's something just so cool about them, like expression-wise. I think just since I was a kid, as I saw people covered in tattoos, I was like, what made you want to do that? Right. I and still ask that you, question exactly, sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> and what did you care about enough? to stick it on you nonetheless Forever. i know that hurts yeah i know that before ever getting one i know that hurts what like, was why your, did you do it what was your first one my first one is an elephant on the outside of my thigh it's actually the only tattoo i've ever drawn of like and I, I didn't know that that's what i was doing at the time but it was just like this picture that i did that i loved and i love elephants um i'm obsessed with animals and like wildlife conservation and all those things and 
elephants have every right to just literally stomp on everything they walk past. You know what I mean? And they practically do. They're the only group of mammals that will come together to mourn a, a species that's not in their herd. Really? Yeah. Look at that. There's your there, there's your learn for the mm-hmm. day. Did there's not your know learn that. for the day. Um, but they're just awesome. So I love elephants. But um, I was very lucky to have parents that really, really pushed us to work a lot. So my first job ever, I was 12. And I, my dad paid me to build a bridge. <laughs> we built a bridge so that we could get um, our tractors from one pasture to the other kind of thing instead of going through the creek bed like we'd been doing. And so we had to build this like 75-foot compression bridge for these um, tow trucks and all this stuff to go over, these dump trucks and these tractors and all this stuff. And so all that to say, I've had regular jobs since I was 12. And I've also been very lucky to have come from a family where I didn't have to pay for my clothes. I didn't have to buy things. My family was very kind to, like, make sure we knew how to work, but also we just got to save our money. Sure. We weren't supposed to send, we weren't supposed to spend it. We were just supposed to put it in the account and just keep it, and it was going to be there for us when we needed it. I knew that whole time it was for tattoos. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I knew you it. Saw, I was just building a budget for my tattoo. I did, knew from the get-go that's what that money was going to be spent on. Did somebody in your family have a tattoo and that was your first one you saw? Or was it, I mean, it wasn't online because... It was just it was just literally seeing people. Yeah. Like growing up, just like seeing people and them having tattoos. And I thought, that's just cool. It's just something I've always been attracted to that I loved. I don't know what it is about it. I've always thought it was really cool. I love animation and animation and graphics and all that stuff and i don't know what that combines with with putting it on a body but right. i thought it was sick i've um, always been an admirer but um like i said before i'm a little scared of needles not a fan but are. i have a buddy his name is nick and he had this red tattoo on his arm he did some tribal stuff in all red and i was like i guess if i ever did that that's probably the way i would go and then i saw brandon boyd the lead singer of incubus his one of his whole arms is pretty much all red and i'm like that is just badass i just think it's different it looks cool i love i love the color i don't know if it looks green but the, i don't know if it, they, they do it black and it comes out looking that color but i love the colors like i yeah. showed you my buddy mike's yeah and i i just there's something i'm very creative in my mind with stuff stuff that i do online digital graphic stuff but when i see i appreciate it but I just don't know if I could do it. I think the blackouts are so cool. Like, like, like what you said with the red, I want to do a blackout calf so bad. And, that's just um, a, well, that's just like. Just all black. Okay. I want to do it so bad. I just think it'd be so sweet. Mike Stoll, shout out to you, Mike. Um, only other person I've ever let tattoo me aside from Jay, who's like, who does all my stuff. And Mike's really trying to talk me out of it. He's like, let's just do a bunch of really cool traditional stuff all over your leg instead of just filling it in. And I'm just sitting here like, I really want to do a black calf sleeve. So we'll see. Why? Just you Why think do it I looks want cool? It? Yeah, this I, looks I, cool. I think it looks cool. I love it. I think it looks awesome. My buddy Tommy has from here to like right here. It's all solid. Mm-hmm. But that's I'm, what I want. Why? That's what Ow. I want. For my calves. I'm just like he used to have like these like three lines or something like that, and then he just ended up filling. That's them what all I said. In. I was like, let's just band it, Mike. Like yeah. every couple months, just give me an inch band. Like let's right. just knock it out and like just like we'll do it over time. I don't want to come in and sit honestly for twelve hours and you black out my calf. That no. sounds like a bad afternoon. That doesn't sound like an awesome Tuesday, but. <laughs> Well, I think, it, I think it would be so. I think it would be so cool. <laughs> Too bad there's not a weekday that starts with the C, is there? You call it whatever calf. There might day. be by the time our lives are over. Shit, Lord knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> um, we should probably speak about that. How was 2020 for you? Um, everybody that I love and care about is healthy and safe and made it through 2020. So I always like to start off with that. Perfect. Right? Like I, I, everybody that, that I care about and love was safe and made it through the year. And so did I, 
And so all that to say, I don't think it was that bad. Yeah. But for Did you... me personally, not being empathetic to everyone else in the world, that sucked, man. Yeah. That sucked a lot. We had we had a lot of momentum going and we were doing full band shows for the first time and had a really beautiful full year planned out for shows. Just like probably everybody else. Sure. You know, and then just lost it all. And I think 2020 just sucked also personally. There's a lot of stuff just like in my personal life that was really hard in 2020, like everyone else, right? Who was trapped with their demons for a year and couldn't get out of the house. Like you had no outlet. Yeah. And so I think everything about it was really challenging. But then, I mean, that's what you have to do with fire, right? You're either going to burn in it or you're just going to be forged in it. You don't really have a choice. So I think right. it, it set us up for the 2021 that we've had in a wonky way, both personally and business-wise and all those things. And to see everyone come around from 2020 that we did have previous bookings with work really hard to make that happen and come back around instead of being like, you know, we're done. Like, right. I'm tired of trying to schedule this and move things around. Like, everybody worked very hard for us in 2020 and through 2021, and I don't think we could ask for anything more than that. Did you find yourself writing a lot more in 2020? No, I found myself afraid to write. I found myself feeling very locked into where I was and feeling like... Even if I wrote, it it wasn't going to get out anywhere. And I think that might have been because for me personally, um, the people that I was living with at the time and all those things, it just I felt like I I felt like my creative thing wasn't scoped outward like it normally is. I've been very good my whole life on writing about other people's stories. That's actually what I do the most is I watch my friends and I watch other people's relationships and I watch things that seem to matter to other people, and I write about them. Secretly, is it something internally I'm dealing with? All Absolutely. the time. Yeah, so I'm never going to say that. I'm always going to say, this is about my friends, so-and-so and so-and-so, or whatever the case is. Well, and I, think I found it, 2020, I didn't have anyone else to put the shit I was writing I was like, on about yourself. Yeah. It, all, it all, all of a sudden was about me, and I didn't want to share it with anybody. I think that if you're watching your friends and their relationships and things they're going through in life, you obviously are, are interested in them because they're relatable. That's probably a fair statement, yeah? They're relatable, and obviously, if I can see two people going through it, how many people can you not see that are going through it? Right. That's everything. So... If I saw something that was impacting someone very close to me in a huge way, one way, obviously, I care about them. I want to figure it out, and I want to help them with it. But also, business mind, creator mind, all that stuff is you're literally just showing me what probably everybody else is dealing with. Absolutely. Let's use this and write it. And again, create those three minutes for them. Yeah. Where they get to sit in it and not have to worry about it outside of those three minutes. It's probably going to be at three minutes and 58 seconds. It's kind of where I land. But that's where it's going to be at. And I think that's such a cool thing to get to do. What age did you move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville at 17 to go to college. And you went there to go to college. Did you go yes. by yourself or did you go with a friend or? I did. I went by myself. Um, and my. Did you, hold on. Did you, I always freak out on this, on this question because a lot of people are scared to just leave. You clearly at a young age had your mindset of your blueprint for life was done already. Yes. So you know, you're going to Nashville, going to school. You weren't scared. You just kind of like said, this is what I know I'm supposed to do. And you just went. Yeah. I was also very blessed to know that I could always go home. Right. No matter what I did. No right? fear If I failure. wanted to go to the military, if I wanted to go somewhere else, I could always come home. And, but also, that's a very big cushion that I don't even know that I've ever leaned on because it was never an option to go back home. Right. Ever. I don't know. It, it, but when you're from a town that's an amazing place to be from, going home is not an option. If music wouldn't have worked, I would have not gone back to Oklahoma. I Are they still in the that. same house that you grew up in? No. No. Um, no. And then 
I've also never really clung to a, a home home place in the sense that my family had a really interesting kind of um, divorce situation to where I changed houses every single day at six o'clock from the age that I was five until I moved out of my house. At 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. We would go from mom's to dad's. How far dad's apart were those homes? Not far. When we were young, it was across the property. Right. Um, as we got older, it was across town. Right. Um, but and it, it was wasn't still far. six p.m. You would six p.m. Wow. Every day. It What's went the point from of them that? Changing. <laughs> it, the point was so that we would be normal and see both parents every day. Wow, that's crazy. If right. You think about it. So God help me if I needed to find my math book. Right. God help me how long it took for us to understand. Let's just get two of everything. What yeah. the heck? You know what I mean? So all of that to say, there wasn't really so much a place place that I clung to as home. So much so that when I went to college, I would throw my bed on the floor every other night. Yeah. Because I couldn't sleep in the same place every night. I didn't know how to do it. Wow. So everything about moving was scary and whatever, but also staying home was scary. Sure. You know what I mean? Like not doing that was scary. I did my Belmont tour where I went to college as a, as a freshman in high school. I went and toured this college campus and told them I was coming there. Like, I chose that school in eighth grade. I didn't look anywhere else. I knew I was going to go there. They had a songwriting program that you had to be accepted into. And I was like, God, if you give me this program, I'm going to go and write music and go to Nashville. And that's what I did. And it was amazing, and it was rewarding. And um, No, re- no just, regrets? No. I'm good. Not at all. Ever. Not even the tuition. <laughs> <laughs> I do go on that spiel a lot. And I know it sounds horrible, but I'm like, if if... If it was ever a question in my family how to put me through Belmont, never, never would I have gone there right. and had my family spend that money. Luckily, I have a family that is, one, very well suited to afford Belmont, but also education is the most important thing to my parents. I think that's an world. important piece of the puzzle. I yeah. mean, it. And I, I love school. I really do. It was very hard for me. I'm not, I don't find myself intellectually very smart. But if, I love school. I love the challenge of it and the camaraderie and meeting people and that stuff. Is there still more you want to learn from school? I always thought when people kind of got to this age and like, man, if I could do anything, go to back to high school or go back to college or whatever and do all this stuff over again, I would pay attention. And I was always like, no, you wouldn't because you didn't the first time. Sure. I don't feel that way anymore. I really do feel like there's such a cool thing to go in and learn something. Now, you're going to put that pressure of a GPA and a grade scale on it again for me? No. Right. I just but the m- fact to go somewhere all the time and learn stuff you don't know about, why would you ever not do right. that? Right. I guess that's what I was going for. Like, you make it in your career. I look at this story, and I always talk about my mom. My mom went back to school at 45 years old and became a CPA. She's always an accountant, so she went back and she did her master's, did all that stuff, and then she <laughs> went and, at 45. And so I always look at it and went, oh, man, like you get, there, there is no age limit on school. I guess in that sense, when you get your career so far, is, do, you, do you see yourself wanting to go back and learn more about something? I don't necessarily see myself going back into an educational program, but there are a lot of things that I want to do. And there's a lot of things that even since I was a kid, it was not even about making money, but it, it was about I want to do music for this long and, and do that thing and have all those crowd interactions and make music that helps people and does whatever. Also, put some money in the bank so that I get to go and do these other things. Yeah. And that for me is I want to be a black mamba so bad. They're a group of only female um, women in South Africa that protect all the pride lands. And they're just an anti-poaching group that just protects right. all of the land conservation in South Africa. So you're, you're going to say that, it, and I don't want to say if I hate that, but when you get to that place in your life where you can give back like your dad does, that's what you're going to go after is the animal side of everything. Yes. Awesome. A thousand percent. Yes. My mama 
in Oklahoma, I grew up in uh, this really amazing place because my mama is a co-founder um, with my aunt Nettie of Wild Heart Ranch, and it's a f- it's just a fully nonprofit wildlife rehabilitation clinic, and we take care of all of the wildlife of Oklahoma. So if you find a deer or a possum or whatever on the side of the road, right, hurt. you're going to take it to us, right? Yeah, and we rehabilitate and we release them. And that's where I got to grow up, which is in this clinic with these animals. Dude, so that's really cool. And people that were not paid to take care of those animals. You know what I mean? Like, no money was ever coming in. Mom was literally the funding pocket of this whole thing. Right. And it has turned into this most amazing wildlife facility. And just ever since I was a kid, I, I love animals. I think they're so cool. And I think that they're really important. And I don't know why they're not important to everybody, but there's things that aren't important to me that's important to other people. So. Yeah, but you look at stuff like that, wildlife. That's I mean, we got here because these things all, all play a purpose in life. Yes. And when you hear about animals becoming extinct, it kind of changes everything. Also, we've all seen the meme, you looked everywhere. Yeah. You've seen that? It's like, you yeah. looked everywhere? But no, you're right. I mean, there's just, there's amazing species that need to be conserved and need to be all these things. And like, we can genuinely learn from them. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why it's not a priority to other people. But again, there's things in my life that people would say that. I'm not saying we learned how to build dams from beavers, but I'm going to say we learned how to build dams from beavers. (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) I see what you did there. Ah. Dude, this has been fun. Tell people how to find you online. Please. Uh, My name is Allie Colleen. Um, Most of my socials are Allie Colleen Music. I run all my stuff. If you ever need me, shoot your shot. Um, I... uh, I do gore makeup on TikTok. So check it out, everybody. Do you really? I do. Okay, well, I'm not ready to be done then yet, so I want to jump on this real quick. How long have you been on TikTok? Recently. Just recently? Kind of. Like, within like within the last couple of months. Okay. I got one, like, two and a half years ago just because uh, my girl's got a kid and she's 13. I've been 13. watching for a long time, yes. Man, but as far as actively posting, it's Actively new. posting yes. a couple months. I got this thing, and I just sat on it, and then I just started posting stuff. And I wanted to use it, in a sense, just to show people the backside of what the music stuff is. Because I always tell the story that people think about, especially in Vegas, that an artist just flies in, they play their show... I always say hookers and blow, and then they get on a plane <laughs> and they go to the next stop. But that's not that's not really what it's all about. And so my goal was to do that, but I haven't really even started doing that. But TikTok, do you find that? I, I mean, I have friends that don't listen to country that will send me music that is country, and they're like, you ever heard of this artist? I'm like, yeah, how the hell did you find them? And they're like, oh, TikTok. I'm like, geez. So when I go on TikTok, I don't have that much time. So my friends do it for me. They kind of like find new music in that sense. But I listen to a lot of stuff on Spotify. But on that, do you think that that's a great platform for for artists to let stuff out and find new fans and everything like that? Is that is that why you're? Do you put your music on there or just your? I gore don't makeup? really put too much music on there, honestly. Um, I feel like I started to maybe after some of my other stuff started getting maybe just a little bit of traction. Like I don't have any kind of crazy views on TikTok or following or anything. It is by far my smallest right social thing. But again, it's because I don't feed into the music part of it. I do cosplay makeup um, for the most part on TikTok. And those kinds of things. I think from the artist perspective, yes, there's tons of ways to share your stuff, get fan bases you wouldn't have found, all that stuff. Do I think that there is a longevity in the music that is coming out of TikTok viral-wise? I personally don't think so. I think it's all agenda-based, right? And it's all like all of it comes with some kind of really big social thing with it. 
whether it is partying and drinking or uh, a girl really showing cool her way, booty yes. or the bottom of her boobs yeah. or what or really yeah. cool ways to turn a phrase that is honestly very inappropriate but funny and we all respect it and like it. Sure. I think that's awesome and I think those that song creative those are great. It's creative. But I again. don't know that if you slapped a nutrition label on these songs that you are getting anything from it that you need. I think the scary part of it is is that is that people might think that their fame on TikTok might translate into a world of ticket sales, a hard ticket sale mm-hmm. versus just a knowledgeable, the big difference between a soft ticket and a hard ticket. And it's very similar to me in the sense of like old school YouTube where there's no doubt in the world that there are some crazy talented people out there singing in a closet. Right. You know what I mean? Like no doubt about it, doing all their stuff on their own in their garage, doing their thing. And they get one viral thing and then they're thrown into this business world that I don't think they're ready for. Absolutely And that is who not. that the labels are going to buy are those, and I don't want to call them ignorant or uneducated, they just don't know how our business works. And then you have literally just moldable, little, very talented, very young, very beautiful people Yeah. that are all going to end up, and I would never wish ill on anybody, but just I worry about mentally the longevity of them in this career. Dude, they've been crushed. Yes. Yes. And will over and over and over again. And not in ways that the rest of us have every day. No, you no. Know what I mean, like, no, they're, it's... they're not ready for what they're going to receive because they are talented. And that's what scares me about TikTok. They could be talented and have this expectation that because they did so much socially and were accepted there, that then they turn around and they put them in a real life scenario and the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. 